0: This is The Playbook. Welcome to Money Talks. I'm David Meltzer, and I am so excited because I have one of the greatest collectors in the world, and he's also a great investor himself, Josh Luber. He is the co-founder of Fanatics Collectibles and the founder of Zero Cool. Welcome to Money Talks, Josh. Thank you very much for having me. It's so much fun to have you on all the different shows that I do, but this is the one that I thought was geared directly to you and your core competency and experience because there's no one that understands the timing and risk tolerance of collecting more than you. You have, in my opinion, changed the world of collecting. Anyone that can sell billions of dollars of tennis shoes and as they call them, sneakers, and make more money off of sneakers than most people do from going to law school deserves my respect and kudos. Uh, but for you, how did the collectible awareness and understanding really evolve? From you know, most guys start as children, but not everybody can make millions of dollars and build huge businesses out of collecting.
1: First of all, thank you very much for the the kind words. Um, you know, I, I think the answer to that is. Um, you know, maybe temper some of those kind of words, which is that we all have the same story. You know, I am turning 45 in about a month or so. And, you know, we all grew up collecting baseball cards, and we all grew up, you know, wanting to, to own Air Jordans and in the, the age of Nike, you know, basketball advertising. Um, and what happened was, as our whole generation got to a certain age where we had a little bit more disposable income, where we could afford that that Michael Jordan rookie, we couldn't afford as a kid, or we could buy those Jordans, you know, it's very uh, a normal process to go back and want to acquire those. Well, what happened was because at the time they weren't thought of as collectibles, they weren't thought of in the terms of supply and demand and having these rare items, you know, just the, the nature of that made these products worth a lot of money because look, this is just supply and demand at its most basic, right? Limited supply, high demand, a lot of people want it. So the value goes up on top of that. You know we're all you know capitalists and investors and and uh, and business people. And so you know that sort of evolved over time on top of that. But this is all just us going back and buying the stuff we wanted as kids. and that emotional attachment obviously
0: started a lot of us into the experiential business of collecting. Um, but some of us also moved on to gold and silver and some other traditional collectibles that they were precursors, I would say to sure. sneakers and cards. People have been trading gold since, you know, the gold rush. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Have you been able to apply what you've learned in the collectible business, those collectibles sitting behind you uh, to more traditional
1: type of collecting? First of all, it's the inverse, right? As a starting point, right? It even as take stock X, which, you know, A lot of people look at StockX and there's a lot of um, superlatives for it. But at the end of the day, we just copied how the stock market worked and applied it from one set of traditional investments like gold, for example, or other commodities and applied it to a different set of commodities, to sneakers and streetwear and watches and handbags. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, this isn't new. Um, We're we're really just taking those same learnings. And, you know, the flip side is now that we've gone through a really remarkable uh, period of time over the last five years, where the sort of call it the hype economy generally like all of these collectible uh consumer goods that have become investable assets um along with crypto and and bitcoin have sort of done like this over the past year and gone up and, and come back down to different to varying degrees and so now i think to your question a lot of people are trying to go back to those sort of you know fundamental learnings and fundamental truths about how markets work about how commodities you know work over time and trying to get a handle on you know, oh man, what just happened over the past couple of years? You know, I just lost 80% of my, uh, my crypto wallet or, or, or the trading cards. If you came in and bought trading cards, you know, in 2021, uh, you might be, you know, in a, in a lot of trouble right now. So the learnings really apply both ways.
0: You know, it's so interesting because one of my great mentors, he would give perceived value, but only receive real value. So uh, he would buy liquidated items, he would buy very low on uh, the supply and demand chart and he would give those as gifts, you know, beautiful watches that were out, you know, out of style or, and, and he'd keep the retail price on it, uh, but he would only give perceived value. And then you were so grateful for him and he, and it would come his birthday or the holidays and you're like, well, what do you want? Gold coins. That's all he <laughs> yeah. say, right? He, he goes, I, I, I don't want to jerk around with stuff. He, he goes, gold coins that's what i want so he was always trading perceived value for real value and you know probably has one of the greatest gold collections uh and uh in the world and has you know done very very well with this simple yet powerful way how much of collecting is perceived value and are you capable like gold and silver of finding you know stability and real value in collectibles that have more emotional aspects to them
1: yeah. Well, look at the the high level concept that you were sort of dancing around is just diversification of risk, right? And saying, hey, look, some of the, the, the products that, that we might want to invest in, you know, are things that are, are speculative or, or have a lot of hype right now, and the value is going through the roof. Or let me also make sure I get some gold coins. Let me also make sure I get some IBM stock or whatever it is to uh, uh, to uh, to balance that out. But you know, all of this, you know, again, it's like. The, the basics of, of how clearly this is Econ 101, right? Supply and demand, supply is the, is the known quantity, right? We know how many widgets a company makes or something. We know how many uh, shares of, of Coca-Cola stock on the market. But demand, demand is, is an unknown. Demand is an estimate. It's a forecast off of last year's sales. It's, uh, you know, so that concept of trying to understand demand and what goes into demand, right? Personal taste is a big part of it when you're dealing with collectibles. So you know that's why it can be so volatile. Where I mean, just look at look at Kanye and look at you know how that's changed the sneaker market over the past couple of years. You know how many people still have the same level of personal taste for Kanye today as they did a year ago, right? So and, and that changes the market. That changes the value of those products.
0: Yeah, and coming along with that, as you stated, you're really good at applying traditional modalities and methodologies in investing to sneakers and other collectibles. One of the things I know that you were involved with was you created a fund uh, for collectibles and just used a yep. traditional fund in order to do so. What's the next traditional application? Is there an asset-based lending type of opportunity? Are there you know, other aspects of traditional collecting, meaning traditional assets, that we can take advantage of utilizing more historical types of vehicles? Yeah, yeah. So that,
1: that's a, a really good question, because that, I believe, is going to be sort of the catalyst for all of these column, you know, sort of niche investment opportunities to become more mainstream. In 2018, 2019, as the trading card industry was going through sort of its own hockey stick growth, the world was coming back into it. And then really, you know, COVID um, was another big uh, jolt of, uh, of people coming in. Again, just supply and demand. Now you have more demand on that side. A lot of people came to the same realization, which is that trading cards, for a lot of reasons, are true investable assets. They're standardized, they're liquid. Um, you know, there's there's um, uh, third party systems that that validate it and grade it. There's a lot of reasons of why trading cards, more so than maybe than sneakers or or collectible toys, can be true investable assets. And so then a lot of entrepreneurs went out and started to create businesses, creating a fund. Creating uh, there's lending businesses that have been created off of it creating uh, marketplaces that operate like StockX, like stock markets for it. Um, there's, uh, there's fractional um, uh, companies like, like Collectible and, and Rally Road that have uh, taken that aspect of it. So any business model that you could, uh, in the in the finance industry, can technically be applied to trading cards as trading cards are true investable assets. The, the nuance of how that gets executed is, is the open question based on the difference between it. But it's all right there and a lot of people have already gone down that path and
0: to that same measure uh mentorship Uh, i find it so interesting because when you and i were younger there wasn't really mentorship when it came to collecting Um, but the size scope and scale not only of the business the opportunity but also the community is so extensive and i still think we're very early on that there's a lot of opportunity in mentorship and consulting in this space and you've utilized some of the biggest business names in america to mentor you in the application of traditional business into collecting um you yourself i know are so gracious in mentoring so many people how important do you think this consultative mentoring side of the collecting business is going to be over the next 10 years for example
1: what well, you know it's interesting that you know, using um, the term mentorship, as opposed to, um, you know, the sort of more one-way street of, of, you know, working for someone and learning for them. Because, you know, mentorship is a very much a two-way street as, um, you know, as both parties are, are, are learning from each other. Um, you know, I uh, started StockX and, and one of my partners in that business was Dan Gilbert, who's obviously the founder of Quicken Loans and owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and most of the city of Detroit. Um, and when I got there in mid 2015, um, Dan had half the people around him were, were under 23, and I realized what was going on, which was that Dan was was very very deliberate about understanding what's going on in the next generation of consumers, the next generation uh, of customers, and so um, there's a lot of that, that that goes both ways. And you know, as much as you know, there's zero chance that I could have built StockX or Fanatics Collectibles without Dan or, or Michael Rubin. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways. You know, I was the subject matter expert for them and they were the business matter expert and to help me build these large companies. But, you know, it's a, it's a very much mentorship a two way street. And, um, and I think the, that generation um, who already are the billionaires, who already are the super successful entrepreneurs, they got there for a reason because they're smart and they're curious and they want to keep learning about what's next. And so I was fortunate to sort of now be in the middle of that.
0: Yeah. And you have moved from StockX to obviously fanatics collectibles and even zero cool, what was that transition or interest in zero cool as you keep evolving in your understanding of not only the business, but the traditional pragmatic tools that make the Rockefellers, for example, and their family bank still powerful today and Vanderbilt and all his wealth, not so powerful today, uh, what. You know, application are you utilizing with Zero Cool from that evolution and co-mentorship or internship mentorship relationships. Well, it's interesting
1: because Zero Cool could possibly be the the product that uh, that opens up um, that um, that you know that sort of information flow for a lot of people because the idea, or at least the original idea of Zero Cool, was to be a trading card brand for non sports, for culture, for all the most important influential. Um, people in the world other than athletes, which would include, by the way, business people, scientists, teachers, um, you know, philanthropists, you know, not just um, musicians and, and artists and, and fashion designers, but, but the whole gamut. Um, and that was really the idea behind Zero Cool and, and the creation of it, which, um, which we did concurrently with um, working with, with Michael Rubin and Fanatics to acquire the licenses and, and, um, and build Fanatics collectibles on the, on the primary side. You know, I, I left Fanatics Collectibles uh, towards the end of, of last year, October, November. The company got so big so quickly. I mean, it was, um, it was frankly, I uh, uh, couldn't have imagined that scale. And so I've now gone back to, you know, I'm now working on my next start- self-startup, which unfortunately we're not breaking any news here. So, you know, Zero Cool is still with Fanatics Collectibles. And hopefully they continue that idea because I do think that the idea of having trading cards of the most successful business people in the world and the most successful philanthropists and teachers, um, you know, helps in, in a lot of different ways for that point.
0: Yeah. I think it also creates a legacy. So if you could have, you know, a Sad guru card or a Gary V. David Meltzer combo <laughs> card, you know, right. it, it works for me. And uh, I certainly, we uh, had uh, Jason Kuntz on and we were talking about, you know, poker player cards and the, 100%. You know, I, I, I personally believe that uh, revenge of the nerds uh, changed, uh, our perspective of superheroes, and it certainly has helped people like you and I in our careers, as well as people ask for our, our graph and our picture, and I'm still, every time I think that movie, when anyone asks for my picture, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is so <laughs> yeah. this is such an amazing role. What should people in the collecting business, let's uh, finish up with timing and risk tolerance. You know, I yep. always tell people, the number one rule about uh, collecting for me is know your timing and risk tolerance. Know if it's gonna be a quick flip, you can analyze that difference, or know if you're gonna be giving this to your grandkids uh, when you make the initial investment. What are some of the aspects for timing and risk tolerance either as you start businesses, I know we're not gonna break the news of your new company today, but there has to be some things you're looking at, timing and risk tolerance when you start a business or make an investment in a collectible.
1: Yeah, well, you know, from an investment standpoint, um, collectibles present an interesting nuance because the, the ecosystem around it is still being developed. You know, as we mentioned earlier, the, the different businesses um, in the financial, um, you know, investment sector um, are still being created. So a lot of those um, opportunities aren't necessarily there yet, or, or there. You know, there, there's more liquidity that's coming. There's more businesses that are out there because each time you know people do that, it brings more collectors in it brings more investors in, and, and those markets become more liquid. You know, collectibles, they're not fully financial assets and they're not fully consumer goods. They sit in the middle of of this product that that's some of both. And as you know stockx is a good example of of a marketplace that was created for this these products that that sit at the intersection of that. And so you know understanding that that we're still very early in the overarching industry is important in understanding the timing of the investment because, you know, look, you can get in there and, and flip trading cards all day and or you could just sit on it and hold it all day. Um, but the whole industry doesn't have enough information historically to really understand that. So I always tell anybody that's going down that path is, hey, look, start by buying what you like. Start by saying, hey, look, if this doesn't become fully this side into a financial asset, that it's a consumer good that you like that you want. You know, I'm from Philadelphia. The first cards I were buying were, you know, Embiid rookies and Iverson rookies and, you know, everything else. And then you evolve as you learn more and more and start figuring that and build that into your time horizon.
0: Yeah, that type of visionary uh, aspect to collecting as well as practical intellect and business uh, acumen has made you one of the godfathers of collecting, whether it be trading cards, whether it be, uh, you know, trinkets behind you that are worth a fortune, uh, sneakers, uh, or even, don't forget that Dave Meltzer and Gary Vee card that's coming out. He, we we joke, but it'll be there.
1: 100% it'll be there. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I will make sure that uh, I'm trading my Warren Moon cards for the Dave Meltzer cards. Uh, <laughs> we'll right. be right all over that. Um, anyway, you can make a lot of money as a business and have right. a lot of fun with your passion. Uh, and you also can help a lot of people because these are revenue streams that Uh, the masses can participate in. And as you know, with blockchain and some other things, fractionalized ownership, everybody can participate, even in a multi-million or hundreds of millions of dollars in collectibles today through traditional ways of investing. Uh, Josh, thank you for leading the way. I know, uh, please promise me you'll come back when we finally can announce your new business. I'm sure- 100%. Every way, you keep stepping it up one notch everywhere he goes. If you wanna learn about collecting, if you wanna learn about collectibles, you have to follow Josh Luber. He has the experience, acumen, and the passion for it. Uh, One of the leaders, like I said, a godfather of collectibles, Josh Luber. Thanks so much for joining me here on Money Talks.